I want I want to ask you a question. Have you ever been in a situation where you had this like massive revelation, this this mystery was revealed to you, and your your mind was completely blown? You, like Ben Phipps doing card tricks, that is for sure. He makes you think that they're, the card in your hand is actually the card in your hand, and it's not, and that you have to see it to believe it. Maybe that's what he can do for open mic. But um, so, side note, I, I experienced this roughly a year ago. I mean, I've experienced this multiple times in my life, but about a year ago, the Holy Spirit just pricked me to study on fasting, and I was like, God, I, I've been to four churches and two Bible colleges, and I haven't really studied this much. But God's like, you need to study. And so I was like, okay, I started studying, and I was reading and everything. And just uh, God brought me to like Isaiah 58 where it's talking about true biblical fasting. And it was it was quite an interesting moment because I had week, like a week and a half to two weeks of just revelation of understanding what it meant to fast, how I was supposed to fast and what it was like when we did fast the proper way. And it just, it blew my mind because I, I couldn't, I couldn't not share it. So like I, I walk into my house and I, I go to talk to my parents. I'm talking to my dad and I'm like, dad, do you know what this is about? Like, have you understood this? And he's like, yeah, it's fasting. And I'm like, well, why haven't we studied it? And just like not being angry, just like, what, what, why haven't we studied this? I know you care about my spiritual uh, aspect of my life, so why haven't we studied it? And he's like, well, we got it at a, like I've, I've learned from other pastors and other churches before, like churches we had attended, but I was just too young that I never heard it or I don't remember hearing it. And so it was like this, this whole mystery was revealed to me, like fasting, what it is, how it works, how God uses it was just blowing my mind, and I realized something. I couldn't stop talking about it. I would come to work, and I would talk to Pastor Paul, and I would talk about fasting. I was like, hey, did you know? Did you know about this? Did you know about this? Like, hey, this is how it works. Did you realize that? And it was just like, it was blowing my mind because I would found this weapon that was being used for the kingdom, but I would never heard about it. So that's like being in war and thinking that you have your pistol and, like, you're shooting all your bullets, but then you realize you have a rifle on your back. It's like, dude, where's this been the whole time? I could have been using this because I didn't know I had it. And that's how I felt because this mystery of fasting just blew my mind. I was like, God, I can use this. This is going to be great. And so I realized that when people find something that is important, something that is valuable, they have a extremely hard time not sharing it. Like, they always want to talk about it. You, you talk about the things that you value. You talk about the things that you love. Like, I think about a new Christian. When somebody gets saved, they're immediately talking about Jesus. Hey, man, did you hear about Jesus? Hey, Cody, did you hear about Jesus, man? What about this Jesus guy? Did you hear how he went and did this? And like, you're like, yeah, yeah, dude, I've, I've read the Bible. Like, I get it. But it's that new fire that the Spirit has put in them, and it's that new revelation, which should be happening often. And I realized that when you find this, this important thing, when you find what is something incredible, it's almost impossible to not share it. You just want to share it with everybody. So 
uh, I'm going to share with you this this passage that God has given me. And so chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians, verse 14, we're going to read 14 through uh, 15. And it says this, For the love of Christ can... We're going to read it all, 14 through 21. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Verse 20, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just go ahead and kick it off right off the bat with the big idea. Like, so... This is the major theme, the major idea of what this message is going to be about, and it's this. Reconciliation comes from God through Christ for his glory, right? From God through Christ for his glory. And so each of, each of the three points that I'm going to make today are going to relate to this, but you're going to you're gonna have to work through. You're going to have to study and see how it does. And so I'm going to do my best to share it in a way that it makes sense. So verse 15, right? This is going to point to the first experience that we have with reconciliation. And it says, And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. The first experience in reconciliation that we have is that Christ changes our purpose, right? So look at this. We are no longer to live for ourselves, but for him who, for our sake, died and was raised. When I think about purpose, I thought about, at first, a career. Like, you think about what you're, what you're doing, what, how you're making a living, the thing that drives your life. But that last one's close, but not quite. Purpose is what you were created for, right? The one thing in life that God said, all right, Adam is doing this. And sometimes, sometimes that purpose is, it takes longer to realize. And so, I mean, I remember in high school being like some of our students today saying, hey, God's telling me to go here, but I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to do. And so, it wasn't until a couple years after that, that God said, all right, Adam, this is, this is your purpose. Here it is. But this verse, it talks about how we're no longer to live for ourselves, how we're no longer to live for me. I'm no longer supposed to live for Adam, but I'm supposed to live for Christ. And I I thought about this reconciliation and the whole mystery behind it. Not like the mystery of how does it happen, because I recognize that Jesus died and he's been able to forgive my sins because of the price he paid. But why? 
Why would God want to reconcile me, a sinner, to him? What could he have for me that he would desire to have a relationship with him? Why would God want to pursue me for for his sake? And I realize that God wants to reconcile the world to him for his glory. And as I was thinking about this purpose and God's reconciliation over us, I began to realize that when I when I think about my purpose, the things that I value, they often change. You see, just a few years ago, I was a super fanatic for the Tar Heels basketball program, you know, the good school in Carolina. And <laughs> but I would I would rearrange my schedule. I would like make sure I had the night off or I would make sure I was not like hanging out with people just so I could watch the Carolina game. But now, a few years later, here I am. I I maybe watched two games this past season just because it's not as valuable to me anymore. You know, the things that I say are valuable, the things that matter to me, the flesh of Adam, they can change because of where I'm at and what I'm doing. But the things of God, the things that God says are valuable, are, eva- are valuable for eternity because God is not changing. He says, that this is, he says that this is valuable and that's it, forever on. And so when I think about my purpose, if my purpose is to live for Adam, then I'm going to be chasing after the wind. I'm going to be running after the, the next thing that makes me great. But if I'm, if I'm living my life with a purpose the purpose that Christ has changed it into, then my life is no longer lived chasing all those things, but it's now lived focused on doing what God's called me to do. And so I I thought about Saul, right? So trying to think of an example. Saul was this great man, not really. Paul was this great man, but Saul was this guy who went around killing people, right? So he was killing Christians because of what they believed only to become a man who Christ changed his purpose so that he would now be the one preaching the gospel. He would be the one who was no longer sharing like, sharing in the action, actions of killing the person, but he was now sharing the gospel with the world. And it was it was interesting because as I thought about Saul's transformation his whole uh, road to Damascus and all of that, I was like, you know, God didn't change Saul physically that day. Well, he did, actually. He blinded him. But he didn't change his appearance. He didn't change his body. He, he changed the eyes and put scales on them, but they were eventually reconciled and restored. But why did why did God not have to recreate Saul. Well, it's because Saul was made in God's image. We are made in God's image, right? But sin corrupts us. Sin drags us down, and we choose to make these decisions, and we live a life of sin, but the only reconciliation we have is through Christ on the cross who can change our purpose. But not only does he change our purpose, because the sin separation, our sin problem, we see the second experience of reconciliation, and that is that Christ changes our power. 
Look at, look at verse 17. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. So I, I thought about this, and how many times I've heard people say, Adam, I'll come to church when I get my life right. Just let me fix this, and then I'll come see God. Let me, let me see this, and then I'll come to God. Let me take care of this, and I'll come to God. And I'm like, all right, you know, I hear it, but even if they got it right, which they can't, they're not coming to God. You see, I have this sin problem that I can't fix because my power that I have, the power that I'm able to do anything out of, is not sufficient to cover the, the sins, the disgrace that I've caused to God. And so Christ had to, get, he had to change us. He had to give us new power. And so he creates in us this new creation, this new soul. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You see, 2 Timothy 1.7, it says this, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. You see, God didn't just say, all right, Adam, I want you to serve me. Now do the best that you can with who you are. He said, no, Adam, I want you to serve me, so let me give you my power. Let me give you my authority. And so we are empowered by Christ. And even in verse 19, it says that he entrusts us the message of reconciliation. He gives us the power to take the message of reconciliation, to say to the world, hey, Look, I was lost, but I've been reconciled. I've been found. I've been changed by the power of God. And that power that was of God has now been given to me so that I can now walk in the streets and tell them about what he's done because he loves me and he loves you too. And so this whole reconciliation, it's a mystery to the world because they don't understand it. Why would, why would we need it? Why do we have to have it? Why, why would God want to do this? It seems like he's getting the raw end of the deal. And it does. But Ephesians 2.10 speaks some identity into our life. And it says this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. You see, Christ had planned for us to, to do good work. God had planned for us long ago to do good works for him. But he also knew that we needed a, a power surge. We needed some new power. And so what does he do? He sends his son to the cross. He dies. He's resurrected. And from that, we see that Christ changes our purpose. He gives us new life. It's no longer our old life that we're living for. It's the life of Christ that we're trying to pursue then he changes our power. He, take, he says, all right, the old is dead. The old has passed away. Behold, this is new. This is a new creation. I've come into your spirit to give you power, to give you strength, so that you can continue on to do what I've called you to do, so that you can live this life that focuses on Christ, that focuses on what God has called you to do. And then we look down in verse 20, and this is, this is where it gets me because I, I love this verse. Verse 20 says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, 
be reconciled to God. And the third, the third point is this, that Christ changes our pursuit. You see, if we're pursuing the things of the flesh, pursuing our own uh, desires, then there's no way that we can ever be fulfilled. You can look at plenty of people in the world today. You can look at plenty of rich people, famous people, whatever. If they don't have Christ, you can still see the void. They're still searching. They're still striving after that one thing that will just fill them up. This pursuit. But this is, this is the difference. When God is in you, when Christ Jesus has come into you and saved you and reconciled you, you've been given a new pursuit. Right? So we are always constantly pursuing God. We are always seeking Him. We're always trying to grow closer to Him. But then when we're reconciled, God says, all right, I want you to draw close to me, but that's not it. I also want you to be going out. I want you to be my ambassador. I want you, your pursuit to not only be for me, but for others in the world who don't know me. And so this, this verse really just blows my mind because God does not need Adam. God does not need Pastor Paul. God does not need Miss Bridget, Mr. Uh, Pastor Phil, Mr. John, anybody, any of these leaders. God does not need any of us. God does not need any people here right now because God has all the power in the world, but he chooses to use us, to make his appeal through us. He calls us to be ambassadors. So as I thought about like what an ambassador does, they are a person, a representative from, a, from an area that goes to a foreign area and works the whole diplomatic process out. I'm sure Ben Phibbs could explain it a lot better than I could. But um, we're, we're rep, they're representatives to a, a, a land that's not necessarily their own. And I, I began to think about this whole, it actually came to me in first service. God was just speaking while I was preaching. That's really fun. But um, it, was, it was crazy because I was like, wait, we've heard the whole deal about this is not our home, right? Like, has anybody ever heard that this is not our home? Earth is not our home? For believers, heaven is our home. But we are called ambassadors for Christ because we're not home. We're in a foreign land. We're called aliens, people not of this nation. We are here to make God, so that God can make his appeal through us. So that God can say, hey, Adam, no matter what you've done, I can still use you because I've forgiven you of what you've done, and I want you to be a tool that can serve me well. I want to, I want to give you a new purpose. I want to give you power so that you can speak truth to the world, so that you can stand when all of this comes against you. And I want you to pursue other people so that you can go out into this world and say, look, I've been saved. I want you to also. You see, we don't go around saying, hey, man, I found a load of junk. I want you to have it, right? Unless, unless you're sharing like, hey, dude, this sock smells horrible. Smell it. Like, and nobody wants that, right? No, God has given us the perfect gift. God has said, we want you to go and share the best thing that ever existed. And I, I have to say, that I feel like I fail at doing this because I want to be out here just proclaiming it all the time, but I'm not. So what's holding me back? 
And so I look over at Galatians 5.25. I know that seems like not a smooth transition to that verse, but stick with me. Stick with me. Why do I not share the gospel with all the full authority and power that God's given me? It's a reflection of where I'm at, who I am, and what I've done. Because this verse, Galatians 5.25, says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. You see, if I'm not in step with the Spirit, that usually means it's a problem with me because I'm not living in the Spirit, which means I'm not out there sharing the gospel. I'm not out there saying, hey, man, have you met Jesus? Have you, been, have you experienced this? And you see, it's a, it's a big difference from walking in the Spirit where God is growing us. And so, like, the other night, at, a couple weeks ago, at the, the prayer service we had in here, God did something really cool with this verse. Uh, so I was sitting there reading and praying and everything, and God said, I've got an illustration for you. And I'm like, all right, cool, this is going to be fun. And so I'm sitting back there, and I'm writing notes. And God says, I want, to think of, I want you to think about you and Chantel. And I was like, all right, God. And uh, so when we walk, we have this very synchronized walking plan. If we don't, it's very funny. So, like, to explain, when we walk, we have to both put our left feet out at the same time and both put our right foot out at the same time. If that doesn't happen, Chantel does a little something like this. All right, y'all ready? So we're walking, and she's like, just to get her feet back in step. Just to get her feet back in step. And I was like, I was like, what in the world, God? Like, what are you talking about? And so God starts unpacking this to me. Like, you know, Jesus used parables to explain to people in their day things that make sense. Like, this is my, my version of a modern-day parable. It's just this illustration representing what it, the spiritual aspect. When, when, we would, when we walk and we're not in step with each other, my right foot goes out with her left foot. Our hips collide, which means that we can't walk as close. We have to be farther apart because at that point, if we're farther apart, we're not going to hit each other. But if I want to walk in step with Chantel and be closer to her, then we have to be synchronized so that our hips turn the same way, so that everything doesn't get misconstrued and we don't get thrown away from each other. And I was like, God, that's really good. And he's like, it's the same way with me. And I was like, oh, dang. Because God said, when you walk in step with me, you can be close to me. You can be so close and intimate with me. You can know me and you can be right beside me. And you're like, oh, okay. But when you're not in step with me, you have to be farther away from me because we clash. And it just like blew my mind. And then God continues to unpack this whole, this whole process. And the, the whole jumping thing, like to get back in sync, it really just makes me laugh more than anything. But God said that's exactly how you should be when you're not in step with me. It should offend you so much so that you will do anything to get back in step with me. You'll do anything to say, I'm not right. 
God, fix me. Let me take this leap so that I can, I can be correct. I can be walking in your spirit. And it hit me. I was like, God, that's the pursuit I want. I want to pursue the world in such a way that they know that I'm living by the Spirit. And when I'm not, it's so obvious because you make it apparent to me and the course gets corrected. And so the big idea, reconciliation comes from God through Christ for His glory, right? So this comes from... I feel like it's portrayed in the Second Corinthians passage, but it's explicitly said in Romans eleven thirty six, where it says, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Our purpose is from God through Christ for his glory. Our power is from God through Christ for his glory. And our pursuit of a lost world is from God, through Christ, for God's glory. And so I'll, I want you to recognize that God has a purpose for you. He is the one ready to send power to, to fulfill that purpose. And he wants you to do it with the pursuit of seeing others come to know him. And so we're going to pray real quick and then we'll wrap it up. God, thank you for this day that you've given us. Thank you for just an opportunity to speak your truth, God, to share your love. God, I'm so overwhelmed by your goodness to me. God, I pray that each and every person here this week would take this, this message to heart, God, that they would, if, the, if they don't have your purpose, God, that you, you would make your purpose known to them. But if they don't have your power, God, that you would empower them, God. Lord, I pray that if they're not pursuing this world for your sake, God, I ask that you would just put this burning fire inside of them like they've never had before that says you need to go share this message with the world. God, make this message known to us, God. Pour it out in our hearts, God. Just let us go out and love you. It's in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen.